Hello everyone and welcome back to Self Interrupted, the top 150 German podcast with your host, Kit Costello. We are back, it's episode six. Insane, like honestly, six weeks of Self Interrupted is, no, it's a moment, it's an era, let it be known. Guess what we're getting into this episode? We're getting into some more Kit lore. If you don't know, and if you're new to the podcast, I do episodes where I just talk about something that happened in my life in the past that adds to my character. And this is called lore, okay? So I do episodes just dedicated to this. The first one was about me going to an all boys Catholic rugby school. Yeah, it was bad for me. And you can find that episode in the catalog of my podcast. But today we're talking about my experience at drama school, which is really interesting because honestly, let me tell you, let me tell you right now, I think I forgot most of it. And honestly, just going back to that time and remembering it, there's so much stuff that you forget. And it's quite nice to open up my memories. But before we do that, I like to talk about what's been going on in my week. But before I get into what's been going on in my week, I know everyone scream. I have a couple of announcements. Number one, you guys know that I do a monthly favorites on this podcast. Famously, I talk about what has been my favorites in the month. Mm -hmm. And in those monthly favorites, I do the self-interrupted top 10 charts, a prestigious charts that artists wish they can get onto. I wanted to make these charts more hmm, accessible to you guys. So I've made a playlist on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify right now, you can go and follow this playlist. It's called Self-Interrupted, the top 10 charts, I think. Wait, let me look up. Not me giving you guys false information, please. It's called Self-Interrupted, top 10 charts. And you can find it on my Spotify account. It can be interesting. We have an official top 10 charts and that'll be updated monthly. And it's in the order of my favorite songs of the month. So I'm really excited to be doing that. And I actually really like the idea of kind of, I don't know, making the charts kind of like more of a fun thing that you guys can get involved in and actually listen to the charts. Announcement number two, I found my glossierbalm.com. I did. You guys, this was a huge moment for me. Last week, I lost my glossierbalm.com in the cherry flavor. Couldn't find it. She was just titled as missing in my life. But today I put my dressing gown on. I'm currently wearing my dressing gown because it's cold in England, girl. Like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, I put the dressing gown on. I reached into the pocket. What did I find? The glossier. The glossierbalm.com in cherry flavor, famously. But now that we've got those announcements out of the way, Let's get into what's been going on in my week. I don't even know where to start. Let me just give you a quick rundown. I had London Fashion Week castings. I confirmed that I was gonna go to Paris for Paris Fashion Week. I've been rejected by Airbnbs and I've had a breakdown. Where the fuck do we begin? Oh my God. Number one, London Fashion Week castings, which kind of made me have a breakdown, okay? I had a casting for a show. I have walked for this brand a couple of times before and I love working with them. I went to this casting and honestly, recently I've kind of been feeling a bit like, I've been in my own bubble career-wise in the sense that I just haven't been getting a lot of work. I've, I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I've kind of been in my bubble because you know, I've been famously, I've been working on the podcast, on my TikTok, I've been keeping busy. Like a bestie isn't just sitting back and relaxing. I just haven't been getting that much work recently, which has been like such a flop for me, you know? Currently in a flop era, career-wise, not in my podcast and TikTok-wise, because that is slaying. No, it is, it's true. But anyway, I got to this casting. It's not that I wasn't taking it seriously, but I just wasn't as stressed. And then I arrived. I arrived at this casting and there was a massive line and the imposter syndrome kicked in, girl. It was really bad, okay? Famously, I have a bob now. Having a bob, I feel like it makes me really vulnerable. I don't, this sounds really ridiculous, but you need to think, I had hair that I could like scrape up into a bun and I didn't have to worry about my hair. Cause like once my hair was up, it was out of my face, it was done, it was hairsprayed. I didn't have to worry about it. Now that I have a bob, 
I'm constantly playing with it and I'm like, does it look good? So I was insecure that my hair looked bad while I was standing in this line with all these incredible looking models. It was bad for me. And the couple of people before me, they basically go up to the casting director, give their comp cards. And then the casting director says, okay, you can go and walk now. So mentally I was preparing for this. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna walk in there. I'm gonna say hello. I'm gonna give my comp card and I'm gonna just walk. So I go in give my comp card, they recognize me because we've worked together before. And then they start chatting to me, which is obviously incredibly sweet. And obviously I'm returning the gesture. I'm talking back to them. I'm saying, hello, bestie. So we're talking and I'm thrown off guard. I'm now not a bitchy model anymore. I'm just Kit Costello having a chat. And then the chat kind of comes to an end and she's like, okay, can you walk for us now? I'm screaming at this point. I'm like, oh God, my guard has been let down because normally I'm very guarded. I'm guarded and I do like a fierce little walk, but I was unguarded and now I'm doing like a little pedestrian walk on my way to Starbucks to get a coffee. Like this is not the sleigh. So while I'm walking, I'm thinking I'm not getting the job. This is such a bad walk. What am I doing? On the way home, I was just like, I haven't got that job. I didn't get that job. I get home no response from them. I didn't get the job basically. But this just made me like completely unravel and just like almost turn myself inside out. I just ended up hating myself. I'm just saying this, I just wanna be real. On this podcast, I just wanna be honest. And a lot of the time I say to new models, like if you don't get a job, move on, okay? But this was for me, it was more than just not getting a job. I think it was just a bit of a kick up the ass that I've kind of just been lacking. I guess you guys didn't really know me before I started the podcast or TikTok, but before I started TikTok and the podcast, I was putting myself out there so much. I was getting myself photo shoots. I got myself a job at London Fashion Week by myself, which is very hard to do. I was working and just in recent months, I just haven't been doing that. And I think this job that I didn't get just put it all in perspective for me. And I was like, oh shit, I've just been like lacking at the moment. And then it was just like, I have a bob now. My brand is ruined. I don't have my Costello bun. Why did I do that? I don't feel confident anymore. And then it just like spiraled. It was really, really bad. And I couldn't really get sleep. Or was a plane. I'm gonna wait for the plane to go past. Oh my God, I actually have some plain tea to talk about, as in like aeroplane tea, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay, so anyway, where was I? Yeah, I was basically just having a breakdown crying. I cried. No, I did you guys. It was bad. But I just want to remind her I wasn't crying because of the casting. Normally if I didn't get like a casting, I wouldn't necessarily care all that much. I think it was just because like, I just realized that I'd just been almost letting myself down recently by not working on my modeling career as much as I should have. Cause I've been putting other things first, which I really love putting other things first. But now I've realized I'm now balancing those things instead of just putting one thing first, one thing second, one thing third. They're all just there and they're all just balancing, which I think is such a fun sleigh. Now I woke up the next day after this breakdown and I kind of felt similar. I felt the same kind of way. I don't know what kind of got me out of that funk, but I got out of it by like afternoon. So like by 12, I was out of that funk and I was feeling great. I think because I kind of turned it around and I was like, you know what Kit? it's not too late. Why are you acting like it's too late? Like DM photographers, email photographers. So I put myself out there. I email photographers, I DM photographers, and they got back to me and they said they wanted to work together. And that just made me feel good. And then I got my eco gel out, my hair gel out, and I came up with styles that I could use that would make me feel more confident when I go into castings. So I have a few hairstyles that I'm going to now use for castings. So sometimes... Sometimes you need a little bit of a kick up the ass and you need a rejection to say, actually, no, you don't deserve this job right now. Go work on yourself and then come back. If I had just gotten that job, I don't think I would have 
thought twice about my career. I would have just continued on the way I have been. But because I didn't get it, I was like, I wanna improve this, this, and this. And I believe I have. And I've come out of it feeling so much better. So a little bit of an inspirational message for you, the moral of the story. If you are flopping right now, if you're in your flop era, babe, it's just a redirection. It's just a red light saying, actually, no, find another path find another way, find another way to get to this destination. It doesn't mean that the path is over. It doesn't mean that you've come to a dead end. It just means you just need to re-navigate your route to get to that place. Oh my God, slay. Not me being like inspirational diva kit right now. That was my London Fashion Week casting and that was the breakdown. But then the breakdown was also because I was planning on going to Milan Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week, which would have just been insane of me. London, Milan and Paris, go for what? What the children don't know is that if you're not confirmed for a model casting, your agency isn't paying for you to go out. You have to pay for yourself to go out to these places and just hope that you'll make the money back by getting castings. So I was just stressing out. And then that morning where I kind of got myself together, the day after I got rejected from the casting famously, I decided I was just gonna go to Paris and I was gonna go to Milan next season. And I think that just took such a weight off my shoulders because I wasn't putting all that pressure on myself to just jump straight into the deep end by not only going to Milan and Paris, but by getting on a plane. Okay, so I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the podcast. I feel like I have, but a bit of kit law for you in the kit law episode is that I've never been on a plane. Planes freak me out. I don't care how many people say that, you know, planes are very safe. It's safer to get on a plane than in a car. Girl, miss me with that. The fact that I'm gonna be 30,000 feet in, an, in the air in just some metal carrier and you want me to trust it? The fact I can't just get off when I want to, oh, I'm screaming. I'd kind of come to terms somewhat with the idea of going to Milan. I was like, okay, an hour and a half on the plane, I can do that. I'll download a couple episodes of Gilmore Girls and we'll just hope and pray. But it was the idea of going from Milan to then Paris on the plane. Bitch, no, that's so intense. That's, I'm sorry, that's so intense. And there was me the day I was having a breakdown after getting rejected from the casting. I was at home Googling EasyJet POVs from London Heathrow to Milan. I was in deep. It was like I was getting a new iPhone and I was watching someone unboxing. You know when you like, you order a product like an iPhone or something like that, and then you go on YouTube and you watch an unboxing and you watch reviews. I was doing that before airplanes. I was watching every single airline. I was watching like British Airways, EasyJet. I was watching the POVs of the trips from London to Milan to see what I could expect. And honestly, I think that ties in to what I was saying earlier about the casting, if you think about it. I, I put expectations very high up. I, I, I respect expectations, I guess. So when those models in front of me were just going up and saying hi and then walking, I was like, oh, that's my expectation. But I got there, I had a convo with them and then my guard was down and then I was completely thrown off guard because my expectations weren't met. Interesting. Wow, this podcast is really therapy for me. I'm gonna be real. But anyway, as I said, I decided to go to Paris, Paris Fashion Week. I confirmed that with my agency who then put me in touch with my agents in Paris, which was such a slay. Like, oh my gosh, not my agents in Paris. Hey, that's my bestie. Really exciting stuff, but I know what you're thinking. Kit, once you get to Paris, where are you gonna be staying? Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm gonna be staying in an Airbnb. And that's something that I'm really excited about today because I literally just got confirmed for an Airbnb. Girl, it's been a ride. It's been an insane ride. So let me get into my Airbnb experience real quick, okay? I have never used Airbnb before. Back in the day, I used to love just going on Airbnb and just looking, perusing, you know, looking what the girls had to offer in different countries. It's cute. So I was doing this back in 2019, but when I went to go on Airbnb to look for a Paris apartment to stay in, it logged me straight into that account. 
And I was like, okay, slay. Didn't think twice about it. I was like, thank God. I don't have to like set up a new account on Airbnb. So I'm looking on Airbnb. I'm going through some apartments. Initially, I'm like, Christ, these are so expensive. And they are. I'm going to be honest. Like, it's a lot of money. But... I find an apartment, it's pretty perfect. I message her, I say, hey bestie, how you doing? I'm coming over to Paris for fashion week, would love to stay in your apartment. I'm thinking straight away, I've got the apartment, like that's it, that's all I needed to do, you know? No, I get an email back, all in French, so I have to translate it. And she says, I don't wanna give you my apartment because you have no ratings. So I'm pondering, I'm thinking, well, what, what the fuck? I have no ratings. I didn't know this was like, what in the black mirror is going on here? You're not giving me your apartment because I have no ratings. I guess it's fair enough. So this becomes a constant theme. The children are not letting me rent their apartments because I don't have any ratings on Airbnb. But the thing is, how am I meant to get reviews and ratings on Airbnb if the children won't let me in their apartments to get the ratings in the first place? Because trust and believe, I was thinking about leaving this woman a little gift at the end of the week. A little box of chocolates and maybe a little bit of champagne. But no, bestie, I'm not gonna leave you that now because you just declined my invitation to rent your apartment. So this happens over and over again. And I'm screaming because I find these apartments and I'm like, oh, this is the one. But I'm romanticizing it. And each one comes back and says, bestie, we can't give you this apartment because you have no reviews. And I was just like, mama, this is just a toxic cycle. Cause I'm, I'm just bracing myself to be spending hundreds of pounds on this apartment only to then get rejected, screaming. But then I come across my bestie, my bestie in Paris who has let me rent her apartment, which is so cute. To describe this apartment, if you've watched Bridget Jones's diaries, her apartment, it's just like that. Fairy lights everywhere, very lived in. It's so cute. It has the hustle and bustle of the French neighborhoods. It's sweet, it has character, it does. This is the message I sent. I said, hey bestie. I didn't say bestie, I said her name. I said, hey bestie, I love the home feel of your apartment. I want to say that I I know I have no reviews. This is because I just joined Airbnb. I want you to know that I will look after the place. I'm well-mannered and a respectable person who likes to stay in. I'm gonna be in Paris for fashion week as I work as a model and I would really appreciate this accommodation. Sending love, Kit. So as you can tell, I was getting desperate. This wasn't the only message I was sending to the children saying I'm a well-mannered, respectable person. A girl, I thought I was on Hinge. Tinder, doing a dating bio. I was telling some of these children that I like to stay in and watch Netflix rather than party so that they didn't think that I was gonna have some kind of like housewarming at their bloody apartment. Because I knew that if I brought up the fact that I was a model, they would be like, oh, stereotypical model. They're gonna have parties. But bestie, I'm nothing like that, nothing of the sort. I am gonna be in my Paris apartment recording self-interrupted, the Grammy-nominated, Grammy-winning album of the year podcast. I will be. And trust and believe, we will be doing a Paris episode and I'm very excited for that. And then Bestie gets back to me and basically says that I have no photos or reviews, asks me which country I'm traveling from or if I could get a Facebook account so that she can do more research on me. And I was just not expecting this like detailed analysis on my character just to get a bloody Airbnb. But I guess it makes sense. Like I'm going into this person's house. They're gonna wanna know about me. So then I basically was like, Bestie, I don't have a Facebook account. So. I just gave her my Instagram and I gave her my website, kickandbeinteresting.com. So she's now looked at all of my like modeling pictures and she got back to me and she said, I love your site. I love your pictures. You look great. So this is now my bestie. I wouldn't be surprised if we honestly have a glass of wine the first night I get there. And she was like, I also worked in fashion. I work with this designer. So mama, kindred spirits. That's all I'm going to say. Like that's my bestie. So I get this apartment. I book it. 
It's gone through. So I'm staying in Paris, which is very exciting. European leg of self-interrupted tour begins now. Serious. But I'm looking at the amenities and I realized that Wi-Fi is not one of them. So I'm gonna be in Paris for almost 10 days with no Wi-Fi. Honestly, like that's my digital detox era. No, it is. Like I am just gonna be in Paris reading books, watching downloaded episodes of Gilmore Girls on Netflix and recording self-interrupted. And that's all I need. I'm so excited to go to Paris though, you guys. I'm gonna be real with you. Cause I went to Paris in May famously last year. And there are just so many like, things in Paris I like. They have great vegan and gluten-free options. They have great tofu. They have this sun-dried tomato tofu, which is just like insane. And I can't wait to get that. I'm so excited. But that's kind of all that's been going on in my week. Chaos, to be honest. Chaos that's kind of like come to a good place because now the breakdown I had made me feel better as a person and better in my career. Yeah, it did, let it be known. And I was able to work out some stuff that I was insecure about. I then realized that I just wanted to go to Paris and now I've got a place to stay in Paris. And I'm so excited. It's gonna be so great. And I also found my glossierbalm.com today. So hey, how could it get any better? So let's open the book of Kit Law and get into the chapter drama school. Let me just give you some context on when I started drama school and what I mean by drama school. I started drama school when I was like eight years old, probably younger, six, seven, eight, I think I started. And by drama school, I mean like after school drama school. We were there for three hours after school, one hour of acting, one hour of tap dance and one hour of singing. The girls were in their EGOT era, I'm serious. That is kind of when I started and I actually finished drama school, I stopped going when I was 12. When I started secondary school, it stopped. It was downhill. Cut the bullshit, okay? I've started secondary school. So when I was 12 years old, I was doing drama school for half of my life. It's serious. I went to two drama schools, one when I was younger and one when I was older. So one when I was about six to eight and one when I was about eight to 12, okay? This is very vital, important information. Cause the one when I was younger, mama, that was chill vibes only. And we were doing silly stuff. It was, it was immature, it was childish, okay? We were just singing Yellow Submarine by the Beatles in front of our parents, like that's all we were doing. It was just a lot of like duck, duck, goose, like we weren't really acting. When it was eight to 12, oh mama, it was serious. I was very much up for best supporting actor in the Oscars, okay? I'm gonna focus mainly on the drama school I went to when I was eight to 12, cause that's, that's where the juice is. That's where the drama happens. I was going for three hours. We were doing, like I said, an hour of acting, an hour of dance and an hour of singing. So let's get into that real quick. I remember doing the, the singing part. We would do like singing, just individual. Oh my gosh, you guys, it was so bad. Like I've said in this podcast before, I was a very insecure person when I was younger. So the last thing I wanted to do was sing solos in front of my peers, in front of the children at this drama school. I was made to do it, so was everyone. And I specifically remember singing Stay by Rihanna. And when I was coming into here to record, I remembered that in my dance lessons, we would do tap. Oh my gosh, we would do tap dance. You guys, when you would start drama school, the parents had to pay so much money. And then on top of that, it was like uniforms. And then on top of that, it was like tap shoes, which is just so insane to me. So I remember we would do tap dance and we do little dance routines. It was cute, it was sweet. And then in acting, we would, honestly, I can't really remember what we would do in acting because 
I'm remembering, the stuff that I'm remembering is the shows we would do. Now, this was a massive plot point for me when I was younger. In that age from 8 to 12, these shows, they were kind of the burden of my life. Reminder, I'm insecure, okay? So when the shows would come up, I'd be so nervous. I'd be so scared. Performing in front of like, I wouldn't say hunt. I guess hundreds of people, like maybe a couple hundred people. It was terrifying to me. And the shows that we did when I was at drama school were as follows. We did The Jungle Book. We did Alice in Wonderland. We did Snow White. We did Peter Pan. We did Camp Rock. And we did Bugsy Malone. And we also did this like Legends of Pop, which was just a whole other thing in and of itself. But I want to get into each one individually and just give some lore about each show. I remember we did The Jungle Book and I was very young. It was probably in my eight year old era. Okay. And I played a monkey. Yeah, whatever. I was very much just like ensemble. I wasn't part of the main crew. I wasn't getting like lines at all really maybe i said one or two to appease the parents but i wasn't out here with dialogues like in macbeth or something i was very much saying like i'm a monkey and then i just leave i remember the one thing i remember from jungle book is that there was a scene where we had to pinch a snake i don't know i don't know don't ask me i don't know what was going on but i remember the monkeys had to like come in out of nowhere and pinch up this snake the teachers would say don't actually pinch him he's a child don't pinch the snake bitch i was pinching sorry sorry i hate to be like a bad kid i think it's because i had a crush on him probably and he was older so i was like that's my man and i need to get his attention so i was pinching him like when the teacher says you have to pinch this person we're gonna pinch the person you know it's giving simon says if simon says to do something you do what simon says moving on to alice in wonderland i played a card don't laugh. Why are you laughing? Stop laughing, bitch. I have the microphone. I'm talking right now. I played a card. What do I remember about this show? Mm, I'm happy you asked. I remember in this show, I forgot my lines because I had so fucking many of them. I'm kidding. I literally had like a couple. And what did I do? I forgot them. Ugh, it was so bad for me. I remember standing on stage and we had like a, a cue to like run forward when someone said something. This person said their thing. We didn't run forward. So the person on the side of the stage had to prompt us to run forward. They said, run forward, bitch. I said, okay. I start running. Everyone's silent. I'm like, why is no one speaking? Like, come on, children. Like, let's get it together. I'm the one that's meant to be speaking. I haven't said my line. So I'm looking. I said, bitch, I don't remember my line. So then the prompter's basically mouthing every word. I'm looking at her, looking at the audience, looking at her, saying the word, looking back at her, saying the other word. I don't really remember being embarrassed. I think I was just like, yeah, like, this is just my origin story. Like, you guys will all say, I remember watching Kit Costello play a card for getting their lines. And now they're an Oscar winner, Grammy winner, Tony winner, Golden Globe winner. They're an EGOT and they have an Emmy. They're now an EGOT actor. And I was there to witness it all from the beginning. That's what I think I was thinking. But in their heads, they're probably like, I just want to go home. Because one thing about this, actually, which always made me laugh, I will get into it later. And you will just see a running theme throughout these shows is that I flop in each one. I'm not doing well. I'm going to be honest. Like, it wasn't my proudest moment being in these shows. But trust and believe when I was in them, I genuinely thought it was Oscar nomination season. I was like, these are my roles. And I take these very seriously. I have DVDs of each of the shows shows that I was in. And recently, a couple of years ago, I, I watched them back. The memories that you have when you're younger, you're thinking like, yeah, I slayed in that role. Like it was fun. I had a good time and everyone was there to see me. I had a good few lines. I watched these DVDs back. I'm doing nothing. I'm speaking incredibly silently. 
there's no charisma behind the way that I'm speaking. I'm stuttering, I'm shaking, I'm sweating, I'm forgetting my lines. But I remember coming out of those shows being like, oh bitch, yeah, I'm taking it. I'm sweeping this season. But honestly, kind of cute. It's the naivete that I had, which is just like really cute. But that's just like the childness, the childish confidence that kind of goes away once you get a bit older, you know? So I think sometimes going into your inner child and just being unapologetic, being like, yeah, I'm dressed as a card right now in Alice in Wonderland. I'm forgetting every single one of my lines. I don't know where I am on stage. I don't know what part of the play that we're doing, but I'm having a good time. So you guys are gonna have a good time too, capiche? I actually remember coming out of one of the shows that I will get into in a second. And that was, girl, we'll get into it. First, let's talk about Snow White. In Snow White, there was drama. It was intense. There was this one specific girl in my drama school who would just get all the main parts. I don't know if she was doing some backhanded deal where she would just get them all. Bestie, I was annoyed. I was like, I should be playing Snow White. What the fuck? I mean, I would be now, bitch. I have the bob. We don't even need wigs anymore. This girl would just get all of the parts. Was she great at acting? Yeah. Was she remembering all her lines? Yeah. Did I remember all my lines? No. Did I think that I should have had her parts? Yes, 100%. I was delusional. But anyway, I wasn't expecting to get Snow White, but I was expecting to get one of the drag queens. Yeah, you heard that right. There were two drag queens, very progressive for my drama school at this time. RuPaul's Drag Race was not mainstream at this point, okay? You need to remember that. So there were two drag queens and I obviously auditioned for one. This is serious. This could be my breakout role as a supporting actor. So obviously I auditioned to be a drag queen. Who gets it? The straight man. Of course. If anyone's gonna take it, of course a straight man's gonna take it. So I'm fuming at this point. Who do I get given? I get given Neville, a written in character, someone that doesn't even exist in SWCU, the Snow White cinematic universe. A character they've made up, simply made up. Who is Neville? I hear you cry. Neville was the creator of the magic mirror. Oh my gosh, one thing about Neville is that he did not shut up, and that was kind of a character flaw of his. Neville was also incredibly smart. Not me speaking about him like he's my friend. Neville's smart, Neville's cute, like Neville's kind of a girly girl, like he's my best friend. No, but Neville was smart, so he was using big words is what I'm trying to say. Now, when you're trying to remember big words, big pieces of dialogue where Neville, this bitch is just talking about how he's perfected this magic mirror. And it's honestly like a monologue, okay? This is serious. I really specifically remember doing this show and it was really hot in the theater. And I was wearing four layers. I was wearing a vest, I was wearing a top. I was wearing a jumper, like a thin jumper. And then I was wearing a cardigan over that. They were really trying to like make Neville look like a geek. But do you need two cardigans to do so? Like, am I that bad at acting that I can't portray a geek? So you need to give me two cardigans? Like what's going on? In this show, I honestly just remember like, I kind of remember feeling really confident, honestly. Cause I was like, this is my first speaking role famously before I was playing a monkey and a card. So Neville popped into the scene and now I'm famous. Was I actually that good? Did I look back at it? Yeah, no, I was bad. I was really bad. The thing is, I want to describe it to you. I was just like not acting. I was just talking, but not even talking confidently because I'm insecure. So I was out here just like, yeah, so I made the magic mirror by like, there's like technology and the technology is really advanced. So um, I like just, yeah, that's what I was doing. There was no like inflictions in the voice. I was fully just speaking. Girl, no wonder the next show I was degraded in Peter Pan and I played a bloody crocodile. Now I actually played a crocodile with another actor. Was I mad that this actor was taking my spotlight? 
Yeah, yeah I was, because this was my moment to play a crocodile, but now Bestie comes in, playing a crocodile also, and we're meant to be bantering off of each other. Like, no, this is my moment. But when we were on stage, we would do like these little like comedic skits. I look back at the DVDs, I was not making anyone laugh. It was the other guy. The other woman. No one was laughing at me, and rightfully so, bitch. I was out here just like, yeah, so like, we're crocodiles and we have scales. Like, no one's laughing at that. And then he'd come on stage, and people just laugh at him just for walking on. And I'd just be like, um, okay, sure. Sure, okay, yeah. But I remember coming out of this show, specifically. And for context, my family extended, parentheses on extended, would come out to each of these shows. And I'd be like, you guys, this is the one. And I would come out of these shows as if I had literally just like starred in an Oscar winning film. I'd come out and I'd sit in the car and I'd be like, yeah, it was a really, it was a tough road for us, but we got there eventually. And I'm really proud of Masterpiece that we displayed in front of you guys. And I look back at those DVDs now and I'm like, Christ, my family going through hell. Not only did they have to pay to be here. Yeah, they had to pay. I think it was like an entry fee to get into our diabolical show. Reminder, this drama school it wasn't incredible. You didn't have to do auditions to get in. Like I said, you just had to pay to get in. It was like a club. It's like an after school kind of club thing. What all of us actors know. I'll tell you who was one. That girl who just kept getting all the main roles. Who played Peter Pan? She did. I'm all for progressive casting, but Christ. Uh, this was my moment. She played Peter Pan really well. Actually, I don't remember. I'm just saying that to be nice. But like the favoritism was there. Let's just say that. Speaking of favorites, let's get onto my next show, which was Legends of Pop. Legends of Pop was quite an iconic moment. My drama school had different drama schools in different areas. For Legends of Pop, it was honestly like Eurovision. We all came together and we put on a show. But also let it be known there was rivalry. Mm, there was rivalry between the schools. Our school was like, yeah, no, we're the best school. We have the best songs because each school was given songs, personal songs to our schools. And then we were given songs that we would practice at our schools, but then all of us would be a part of, okay? I remember one of our songs was Spice Girls. Viva Forever, Viva Forever Spice Girls, that was one of ours. Sometimes that song comes on and I get flashbacks. I do. Cause not only did we have to sing that song, we had to also dance to it. But the show stopping number was Nicki Minaj, Starships, where all the girlies came together and we did our Starships dance. Now I wanted to be noted that I haven't watched this specific Legends of Pop iconic performance back. But I remember doing that Starship's choreography and thinking, oh bitch, we're serving it. You need to think, a queer kid dancing to Nicki Minaj? Starships of all songs? Oh, it's going down. I was hitting that choreo as if my life depended on it. This was competition between each of these schools from other districts. It's giving Hunger Games. Not that there were any winners at all. Now also, a little bit of context. In our drama school, it was categorized by age. So you had like, I forget what they call them now, but they had like the babies, the kids, the children who were like literally like three years old. But then they had, I think it was just us. There were three groups. So it was the children, I was about to say middle-aged. No, the children, the preteens and the teens. I think that was what it was. I was in the preteens famously. But the teenagers, let me tell you right now, they were giving it. They were, no, I'm gonna be real. They were giving. I remember they danced too. It was a Kesha song. Is it like Before the World Ends by Kesha? I'm gonna look it up. I've just looked through Kesha's discography and it was Blow by Kesha. That song with the dance they were doing, God, they were doing leaps in the air. Reminder, my family extended, in parentheses, were coming out to see these shows. This show was three hours long. Yeah, 
I heard you gasp. Three hours long? I remember my family complaining, openly complaining to the star. That's first of all, very rude. But second of all, I was there too, bitch. I was sitting backstage thinking, God, what are we doing? Cut some of the performances. The little kids, they don't need to be on stage, mama. But I think it's really sweet to look back on those kind of things, especially just from the POV of when I was younger. And that takes me on to the next show that I did called Camp Rock. We did Camp Rock the musical. I want to like emphasize that when I was doing the show, I was fully telling people that I was on the West End. We weren't, we were in my community theater doing an unauthorized version of Camp Rock the Musical. But we were running around school with these thick scripts of Camp Rock the Musical. And the person I played in the cast was ensemble. If you don't know what that means, it means I'm standing in the back singing along and dancing. I'm an extra. I had no right to have a script at all, like at all. Dramatic pause. I remember just running around being like, you guys can't look at it. As if I signed an NDA to an unauthorized camp rock musical. This wasn't part of my initial drama school. This was something in the summer. This is for something for the girls in the summertime to dance to. No, it was. This was through a different company, a different production company that you actually had to audition for to get into. So I had my audition and it was serious. And... It went incredibly well because I got ensemble, okay? But I actually remember getting the letter and I remember going upstairs into my bathroom and opening it. I was like, I've got ensemble. <laughs> I came downstairs and I told my mom and it was so sweet because like when I was younger that that was just incredible. I was gonna be on stage. Then I think the parents had to pay once again. What is this like money scheme that I had to audition and then my parents had to pay? for me to be in a show for them. Like surely they should have been paying me. I feel like that was kind of like a scam in all honesty. After the success of Camp Rock came my final show. It was the final curtain call for Kit Costello in their acting career at that time, let it be known. I starred in Bugsy Malone. Kit, what did you play? I played ensemble once again, but stop, wait, before you start laughing, I also played a driver. Mm-hmm, yeah, I played a driver, a driver of a car, no less. But there was, um, I kind of messed up the only role that I was given. So this was by the same production company that did Camp Rock. We had to go a couple villages across to audition for it. And I remember we were sitting in an audition room. We were sitting down and everyone had kind of like said a line or sung something in front of everyone. And I was like, God, this was not what I was expecting. I was expecting to come into the audition room like a professional diva, one-on-one -on -one with the producer. But no, I was in the midst of children and trying to do a little shimmy to get the producer's attention to give me a leading role. And everyone's kind of done a little audition. They've talked, okay? And I'm just, again, I'm insecure. And I'm like, I want to do nothing less than talk in front of people. Because there's all different age ranges here. There's people younger than me and there's people older than me. And they're just about to stop auditioning. And some guy, my nemesis, after this point he was, says, Kit didn't audition. Kit didn't say a word. Kit didn't read anything out from the script. My face went red. The producer was like, okay, yeah, of course. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and say something? I think at this point I had been basically confirmed as a part of the ensemble, but he was like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and read something from the script? Reading out loud. I was out here stuttering on every line, screaming on the inside. I was getting redder and redder. I bet that guy was really proud of himself that he put me, a vulnerable person, out to speak in front of all these children. A monologue, no less. But because of that, probably, I got given the role of the driver. I don't think it was a speaking role. I think I was just sat in the front of the car pretending to drive it. It was like a cardboard cut out of a car. Now, this is the part of the story where you realize why I wasn't getting leading roles. Because 
The one role that I had been given by this certain production company, I completely missed. I didn't go on stage for it. They had to improvise a whole scene because I wasn't on stage when I should have been. I was having a good old time in the dressing room. I was having a little chat with my girlies, my besties. And the person that I was meant to be acting with on stage, who is the same person that made me talk in the audition room, my nemesis, Reminder, comes upstairs and he's like, Kit, you weren't on stage. And I was like, yeah, and what about it? I'm ensemble, bestie. Like, and as I'm speaking, I'm remembering. I should, I'm a driver. I've been given a prestigious role in this play. I should have been on stage. And he was like, yeah, but I sorted it out. We had to just improvise and I did it pretty well. And I was like, mm, yeah, okay, sure you did. How did, the, how did the car drive if the driver wasn't there? And he was like, I drove it. And I was mad. I was mad. Not only was I not on stage, I missed my leading role as a non-speaking driver. I was replaced by my nemesis who drove and spoke. So he had the role of a speaking driver. He was just able to improvise. I didn't know that was allowed. Maybe I would have remembered if I was told that I could have just improvised a couple of lines here and there, but I completely missed out on my opportunity of having a little bit of a speaking role. Drama school was honestly a really fun experience. I got to just like go and slay, act and sing and dance every Friday for three hours. And I honestly do think that it added to my character. I guess we can kind of close the book on Kit Law for today. That was the chapter of drama school. I really hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. Obviously, I have a recommendation to give you, so don't leave yet, bestie. And I also have a question to answer. And it's a juicy question, so wait around. But I really enjoyed doing this podcast once again. I feel like I can't go an episode without saying this. I just want to thank you for all your support recently. Again, charting, it's so slay. And I'm so thankful for your support and just your comments and your DMs saying that you like this podcast and it's part of your routine now. So I really want to thank you because it it really makes my day. My recommendation of the week is a rapper and an artist called Ice Spice. She's so good. Her songs are so catchy. They give you confidence. They're kind of like a bit of a hype up song. My favorite songs of hers right now are Bikini Bottom and In Her Mood. And also her feature on Pink Panthers' song, Boys A Liar Part 2. They're really, really good. So if you haven't heard of Ice Spice, or if you've heard of her and you just like haven't really gotten into her yet, I'd really recommend it. You won't regret it. It's a bit of fun. It's camp. She just gives you confidence because she seems to have so much confidence. Rightfully so, because she's such a slay. My question of the week isn't necessarily a question, but I got this on my website. And this person says he's a 10, but he texts sometimes and leaves you on red other times. Okay, I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. When I first got this, I thought someone was talking about me. I thought it was like subtweeting, but on my bloody website, I was like, you guys are so unserious. What's going on? The more I think about it, it, it can't be. It must be someone having a relationship problem. What I would say in this situation is I have been here. I hate it. I hate it. When I feel like so I'm putting in most of the effort and someone isn't, they're not reciprocating that effort. They're not putting that effort back into me. I just leave it. I've been in situations where I stay up so late to try and talk to someone. I definitely want to do a <laughs> podcast episode on my 24 hour boyfriend. But in this kind of situation where they're kind of just like pulling you along and playing with you, leave it. Then you have the upper hand. Because I think in these situations, these people, these boys especially, think they just have the upper hand on you because they know that you're waiting for their reply. And I can't stand that. It's so annoying. Like, get out of my face. I got real serious there. 
Obviously, I've been in that situation before, maybe plenty of times, but we'll get into that another episode. If you want to send in a question and if you want it to be featured on Self Interrupted, please go over to my website, kickandbeinteresting.com, and you can go on the podcast tab and you can submit a question or a story time, and I will either read it or answer it. But we have come to the end of this episode. We've stuck another chapter of Kit Law into the law book. If you've enjoyed, please make sure to rate the podcast on Spotify and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. A written one would be incredible. That would mean so much to me. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at kit.costello. But other than that, I hope you have an incredible week. I'm sending you so much love. As always, Kit. <laughs> <laughs>